0: Colleagues, welcome back to the office and welcome to our presentation for today. This is Driving Change in Audit, Digital and Data Technology. My name is Steve Yoss. I'll be your instructor and presenter today, and I am joined by a very special guest, uh, and we will be discussing the uh, Inflow uh, software solution for audit coverage. I'm joined today by Mark Edmondson, the CEO and principal of that solution. Mark, why don't you go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself and and, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you very
1: much, Steve. Great to um, meet everyone. Uh, my name is Mark Edmondson, uh, founder and CEO of Inflow. Um, I have a background in the accounting profession. I've worked in small firms. I've worked in uh, some of the biggest firms as well, the big four, really trying to drive uh, the leveraging and use of technology to support uh, core services, such as, as audits. And we're really trying to elevate the efficiency as well as
0: the value that these services can deliver to clients, Steve. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Take thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day, uh, or busy night. Uh, Mark is joining us from uh, Pond uh, to come and talk to us a little bit about Inflow and the different um, products and services that you offer. Uh, in today's presentation, we're going to go ahead and take a look at this solution uh, in the context of kind of understanding you know, audit and assurance services in in a global workplace uh, and trying to understand essentially uh, some of the main issues and risks and benefits uh, that, you know, today's auditors face and potentially how inflow can help us uh, solve some of these concerns. I'm going to talk a little bit about digital audit, you know, kind of modern day practices with respect to uh, uh, management of today's techniques and practices for uh, audits talking about how data can significantly improve, um, you know, a, a auditor's ability uh, to be able to gain insight on, on you know, firm operations and client operations and more, you know, it really feels that, you know, and today we've got just the sea of data. There's so much you could look at and so many different ways that you can, that uh, you could look at uh, and you could use for your audit. You know, how do you kind of, you know, separate the signal from the noise and how inflow can assist with that? Uh, and, you know, really kind of exploring, I think, some different ways that this, this product and this company can assist uh, today's monitor uh, with the issues that they face. Now, just as a reminder for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, this is part of our CPE Today podcast series. Uh, CPE Today, we bring you a podcast twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, at least most weeks, live uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, available on YouTube, Facebook, and wherever you happen to find your content. And in our podcast, we explore the latest and greatest at the avenues of accounting and technology, really kind of helping to give you the knowledge and insight uh, to make you the best and most successful practitioner that you possibly can. Now, if you are a first-time listener to the CPE podcast, you can earn a free CPE credit with us. uh, After watching or listening, head on over to cpetoday.com and you can earn a free credit for today's course by using one free podcast at checkout. In addition, I will point out today's podcast is available for free credit for all listeners. uh, If you just visit our website and check out Inflow software, no obligation to you, but a great way to earn some credits to stay on top of your continuing education. Now, for those of you who are attending live with us here, uh, please note that there will be attendance and polling questions. We're going to go ahead and put up one now just so you can see what it looks and feels like. Uh, Please respond to those. And as long as you respond to all podcast questions, you will receive full credits for today's class. Your CPE certificate will be sent to you automatically uh, within two business days, but it'll most likely come a little bit later today. If you have any issues, you can certainly reach out to us with any questions you might have. And I'm going to encourage you as we're talking throughout our, our conversation today between Mark and myself, if you have any questions please go ahead and reach out and let us know what they are. We've got the the myth, the man, the legend with us here for Inflow. And you can answer, uh, he can be able to answer any questions you might have uh, regarding his product, company, and offering. And uh, if you have any technical issues, again, also please feel free to reach out. All righty, without further ado, Mark, let's go ahead and get into it. And let's just start, you know, maybe first with just kind of understanding um You know, kind of the genesis of, of Inflow. Uh, I know your your background. You started in small business accounting, but a bulk of your career was really kind of spent at Price Waterhouse, Coopers, uh working in their assurance teams as an hunter itself. Uh, maybe you can share a little bit with us, kind of your background with respect to PwC, and uh you know, kind of the the work that led up to creating Inflow.
1: Yeah, thanks, Steve. So, so you know, my first exposure to the accounting profession. Very, the very start of my career in a small accounting firm was was that very old school bookkeeping service where my clients were giving me those bags of invoices that we've all probably experienced oh, in the yeah. very early stages. <laughs> and, you know, there wasn't just invoices in that bag. There was all sorts of other stuff in there as well, shall we say. And really kind of that entry level immersion to how manual creating books and records was in, oh, in those days. We're probably going back about 15 years or so, probably closer to 20 years, maybe if I'm being honest. And and, and that was that <laughs> that first impression of a profession that was so important to the clients that they were working with, but yet behind the scenes was incredibly manual in terms of how things yeah. were actually performed. And, and that was a really interesting exposure that set me up for going to university, going to college in the equivalent terminology and and setting off on a career path towards, should we say the other end of the spectrum, going into a big four firm, their audit and assurance practice and starting to get under the skin of how big corporate businesses and accounting and auditing worked in that particular area. And while there's obviously some massive differences there's also inherently some incredible similarities between, yes, there's the bigger scale, but there's still behind the scenes, an incredible amount of manual effort that goes into oh, yeah. a big four audit. In my time, you know, we would be doing a huge amount of work that was incredibly complex. It was still ultimately being done in spreadsheets and in word documents mm-hmm. and a very kind of heavy and labor intensive way of performing what was a really critical service. And I was really at the start, at the forefront in in PWC of starting to think about how we could maybe use data more during the process and how we could use technology more across the process. And naturally those two things go hand in hand because if you start to look at data, you start to move away from the traditional way of sampling certain things or wading through and trying to find pieces of paper And you start to look at ways you can maybe automatically perform those kind of checks and balances across the entire population, which requires you to have better technology, which requires you to think about how the client is accounting for their organization, but how you can start to tap into their technology, how you can really mine their data. And, And being at the forefront of that in a big forefront, we had a huge amount of resources to start thinking through the art of the possible. What could we possibly do to transform a service that was very traditional and being performed in a very traditional way to something that actually was far more efficient, better quality and was delivering far more value so we can could create a competitive advantage. And and we learned a heck of a lot of lessons myself and my co-founder Inflow. We were both working together at PwC learning an incredible amount as we were going through those first iterations of a profession and a sector that was really trying to to be honest steve use technologies that weren't really designed for the purposes that we were trying to use them for and really try and start to crunch bigger data sets and that led us to a career at PwC, driving innovation across their audit technology their audit methodologies the way that they trained the way that they implemented technology and then seven years ago we founded inflow to be able to take all of that knowledge and experience and recognize that the problems we were trying to solve for that one firm were profession-wide every accounting firm of all shapes and sizes was trying to use technology more in the process was struggling with the cost of technology to be able to build it themselves and was really trying to utilize more automation and more data across the process and that and that is basically the genesis behind inflow to try and take those profession-wide challenges that we're experiencing things like capacity things like the relevance of the work that we're doing and try to harness those into a technology solution that every accounting firm can access
0: Yeah, I mean, so much of what you're saying resonates with with me from my background, Um, you know, working in accounting for as many years as I had. Uh, And I always like to say I'm I'm a recovering accountant at this point, you know, working mostly in technology. But, you know, so much of what I learned in accounting, I still so relevant and I apply to my day to day operations. But, uh, you know, I would say that especially in small business, but really from at all levels of business, the there's two things inside of running a company, there's whatever you're there to do, you know, if it's a restaurant, it's cooking delicious food, if it's a uh, medical office it's providing care to your patients, but then there's the business of the business, you know, the accounting, the insurance, the legal side of this that that tends to get overlooked by especially small business clients. And, you know, I've had those clients in the past, you know, that would just bring you a big basket full of stuff and be like, all right, here you go, you know, here's everything you love to work with, you know, good luck making the tax return. It's like, I don't know if you had the same in the UK, but, you know, they'd include like an August uh, statement from their bank. And it's like, well, thank you. This means nothing to me. I need the year end statement, you know, and um, that separation between, you know, like this isn't something you just do once a year. It's something you do continuously. It's a normal course of business for everybody. You know, I, I think is is. I was shocked, even with large businesses, it's like they forget that, that like, no, accounting needs to be done every single period, you know, for, for lots of reasons, whether it be your bank covenants, legal requirements for public disclosure, or just to know where you are. And, and when leveraged correctly, accounting can be such a great competitive advantage, because it gives you the insight to make decisions, you know, and the other thing that you mentioned that I also resonates with me is, is, you know, this idea of cost and performance, you know, that we have so much data. What do we actually focus in on? Well, from my perspective, the ultimate purpose of accounting is decision usefulness. We're here to help people make decisions. And uh, it's that signal through the noise to be able to, you know, kind of separate the wheat from the chaff and, and to, you know, kind of get the, the the bulk. And when you're an auditor, I mean, I often am in awe of like some of these big companies you know, where do you begin to audit a company like British Airways or or Ford or Coca-Cola that have global operations? Like, you know, there's so much data. How do you make sense of like what's actually relevant for what you want to focus on? And it's not just a big company like PWC need. It's a need for everybody. Because even at the small scale, it's unrealistic to think you can audit a hundred thousand transactions with a team of three or four people, you know, and, and even if you could, the cost would be astronomical, you know, for, for being able to provide that level of assurance to ultimately help people make decisions in this case, the public. So I think what you're building here is definitely something I think is useful for well outside of big four. And I think uh, on behalf of everybody, appreciate you bringing it to market for the rest of us. So um, what, what's been your favorite part of this in terms of this journey in terms of creating inflow
1: um i I think the the favorite piece it's probably been um the, the the community that we've been creating around this um steve and i think that that's what's been interesting has been that that's not just about accountants within cpa firms and in practice We've seen a real strong connection with accountants who are sat the other side of the table now in the finance function, craving something from their advisors that is more insightful, that is more in tune with the modern way that businesses operate. I think what's been really interesting is we've seen that shift where in certain places, clients have been seeking out accounting firms who are using our technology. They've been actively going and saying, I've heard that there's a new way that the audit can be performed. I like the sound of that. I want to find an advisory firm who's leveraging this technology. And I think that's a really interesting concept where you start to move from some of these, what would traditionally be seen as very kind of core back end applications of you need a system that's going to be able to document your work and uh, and meet your compliance needs to actually these kind of technologies are now front of house these are the kind of things that you would be leading in a sales presentation with to say we've got a competitive advantage in the way that we can work with you and the way the, the kind of outputs that you're going to get you know, the audit is no longer going to be a signed piece of paper at the end, and we'll see you next year. It's going to be an insightful experience. And hopefully, you're going to want to continue that all year round with us. And that starts to get you into more of the CFO type or, or CAS type space where you kind of say, well, actually, can core compliance services like audits not be delivered all year round in a more valuable way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, something that I would say kind of resonates, you know, you have invasive surgery, and you have non-invasive surgery, would you go to a doctor that's going to cut you open or would you do it laparoscopically now where, you know, whether it be risk of infection or, or quick recovery time. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer to me, you know, but, and there's physicians that's their competitive thing. It's like, Hey, we could do the same surgery and it's going to maybe even cost a little less and you're going to feel a lot better, a lot quicker, you know, and this feels like, that inflow from the financials perspective can be that uh, whether it be for the auditor, you know, increasing their um, ability to do audits faster and quicker and, and more affordable or the client where, Hey, we don't have to turn the company inside out, you know, for two weeks while the auditors are here and disrupt all of our major business operations.
1: Yeah. Re- really smooth in that piece. And, and that's where, when we, when we start to think about the digital audit, we're starting to unpack yes. that as being much bigger than just simply plug a new piece of technology in and it does something slightly differently. It's it, it's around, to your point there, Steve, around the client experience, but it's how do we collaborate with the client? It's how are we creating a better experience for them, for our teams as well. We've got to make the profession attractive to be able to retain talents within the CPA market. And it's, a, it's, it's those components that when you start to unpack this, it's not just about taking the exact same process that we're currently performing and moving into the cloud which is what you'll hear a lot of other kind of technology vendors talking about oh well you know we're just going to move to the cloud and it all sounds really easy it's really about actually <laughs> yeah. thinking about that more holistically this is an opportunity to think a bit differently around how we do this sure there's you know we help some firms do exactly the same thing they currently do in the cloud compared to in the desktop that's that's fine if that's the approach that they want to take but there's an opportunity there to to think about how we're actually performing this work. How do we use data? How are we training our teams? What does the workflow look like from the start to finish? And that's what we're talking about when we're thinking about this digital audit
0: concept. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates with me too. I mean, moving to AWS isn't just like taking your in-house Amazon or your in-house Windows server and just replicating it up in the cloud. I mean, it's a I, the phrase I like is a thoughtful reconsideration of what your workplace could be and should be, you know, and if you're following the same practices in 2022 that you were doing in 2015, I mean, not only are you not competitive anymore, you're missing the boat, you're paying too much, you're taking too much time, it's just not as effective or as efficient as you possibly can make it. So why don't you go ahead and explain to me from your perspective when you hear the words digital audit if i were sitting in a seminar and, and the presenter was talking through this what what would that mean in a context of inflow and what does that mean to you as the auditor in the in the audience
1: is that for me steve or is that a polling question that you're
0: firing no no, no i'm saying, asking you yeah i don't i don't want
1: to i don't i know there's important cpe considerations here so i don't want uh, oh, you, you'll, you'll they, to give
0: give you'll know when
1: they're coming and you'll know when they're coming we'll do it <laughs> um from from my experience, so so there's two key components to this one is the digital experience so we're moving okay. the 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 way that we work with uh, with between clients and audit firm cpa firm to be okay. less about manual exchange of information and time spent in person and be more a digital experience so ie we're using Laptops, iPads, devices to interact and collaborate remotely, flexibly, anytime, anywhere. So it's moving from the more analog process that you would explain of, you know, the audit used to be you turn up on day one on site and you get the ring bind folder and you work your way through it. So it's much more about how do we use exchange information remotely, that more portal collaboration, etc. The other key piece is then data. So how can we start to use data expansively across that process? So how can we really target automation, use data to be able to do what we would have done manually automatically, and how can we use data to then actually start elevating what the service actually represents? So it's a two-level play. One is automate what is already being done. Second bit is is then think about new ways that we could use data to perform something comparable, but that's more valuable in overall totality. So that's things like, for example, extracting the data from the client accounting system, performing your work using data analytical techniques to look for fraud indicators, to analyze the revenue streams, to visualize the performance of the business in its margins, and then to be able to put some of that onto the audit file to meet the compliance rules, but then pass more of that back to the client to be able to benchmark their data versus other businesses that you've seen and experienced or give them insights which are more around, did you know that these transactions were being booked in the wrong way or that these processes could be improved? So that's kind of giving you that kind of more holistic view on this, Steve. It's around the the digital way (laughs) of working and a data-driven approach.
0: Okay, so I'm assuming then it's fair to say that inflow is basically the collection of these different techniques in a kind of standardized pipeline environment from end to end, from the beginning of the engagement to delivery of the audit report to uh, the audit, you know, uh, board and the board of directors.
1: That's exactly it, Steve. It's broken down into, um, it's a flexible approach where firms can take either individual products or an integrated suite of products. So we've got that flexibility to either work around what a firm is heavily committed to as a technology stack or to look at replatforming a number of those applications that are in their business. We're focused on some key areas being the way that we collaborate with the clients and we collect the PVC prepared by client information. So that's our collaboration capability. We've then got a data analytics product suite that allows us to extract the data from any accounting system that a client is using and provide a suite of consistent analytical techniques for the auditor to use to perform very common audit tests and start producing more valuable outputs. We then got the working papers capability, which has housed within it our own proprietary audit methodology So your typical kind of checklists that you would be using from a PPC perspective or something like a knowledge coach, the more kind of prevalent tools there, checkpoint tools, et cetera. We've got our own methodology that we've built from the ground up that is a data-driven approach to the audit. So it's got embedded into it, the automation opportunities that we know are present when you have data. So So firms can replace their legacy kind of trial balance and working papers documentations tool with this with this specific product or with the combination of products and then we've got a quality quality management capability as well which responds to some of the new standards that have recently been approved in the us there's there's a three-year mm-hmm. window for firms to implement this but that's around really implementing a system of risk management and quality management, Steve, across the firm, which you sure. can obviously naturally start to see the synergy between something that's monitoring the quality of the work being
0: within the platform that's executing the work. Sure, absolutely, and you know, I I think this is a pretty good segue to talk through our our next bit here, uh, which is really kind of discussing kind of the evolution of of audit and you know, kind of the the, the movement towards digitalization, but. Let me start by saying, like in today's environment, to me, anyways, both as a you know as a as a practitioner, as a as a license holder, as well as a software developer, you know, with really good comprehensive knowledge on on data systems and then also the accounting side and the procedures and practices that go in there, it really feels like today with audit, it's it's all about systems in general. You know that uh, the actual transactions themselves aren't as relevant as the internal controls and the procedures that are put in place to manage these systems and i haven't i haven't physically done an audit myself although i've participated in audits recently in many years at this point but you know it just feels like i need to make you know certain assertions about the reliability of the systems themselves or if they're susceptible to fraud or if they're susceptible to misuse or mismanagement you know that could otherwise cause me to make a wrong you know, a uh, statement on, on the actual financial statements. And it just seems like so much of today is it's about the actual underlying systems themselves and accountants, if they don't believe, if they don't view themselves as being technology people, I feel like they're really missing the boat because that's 99% of what we're doing now. It's, it's not like the old days of lots of paper. I mean, it's all about movement of data from, you know, the origination, whether it be with the customer or the vendor. To the financial statement, and you're here to really kind of look at these systems to ensure that the the information coming out of them are reliable.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, so. On on one level, see very very much kind of the direction of travel. Um, the the challenge for auditors in in CPA firms is that not necessarily the the world that they're living in is keeping pace with that that vision that you share there in terms of well, you know, it, it would be great <laughs> if we could perform an audit. By simply saying, well, the system's all set up and configured correctly. So everything must be fine. Like let's yeah. let's move on. That's just simply not the real world, both in terms of what the, the audit standards and the regulators require to be done. And being being candid, there's not many clients in my experience that had those kind of systems. Even, even when you know I was focused on much more the, the SME space at PRC, not auditing the banks and listed companies, mm-hmm. more the kind of, you know, let's say. 20 to 30 to $50 million turnover businesses. That that kind of business just doesn't have the, the inbuilt systems that you could completely rely upon. They either don't know what the systems are doing or they do and they don't do it very well. And so the standards and the clients are really requiring that, yes, we can probably take a little bit more of a controls-based approach and rely on the systems a little bit more now than we used to be able to do. And certainly new changes in standards are pointing towards greater understanding of systems and technology and using automated tools and techniques to be able to perform the audit. But sadly, there's still an inherent need for very old school collection of evidence. We need to have of a course, list yeah. of transactions that we've tested to be able to prove that, yes, the system looks good, but hell, we've still got to have looked and ticked. 30 I to know. 60 invoices or whatever so so i think it's where you, you then go okay well we can probably directly start to rely on the system more and that's where the data comes in because now maybe we can use the data to do, to verify that what we've been told the system's supposed to do or the process that was supposed to go from you know order to cash actually is evidenced through the transactions that are flowing through the system so i think it's about a combination of using those things um steve but i know there'll be many practitioners on on there it'll be are we wishing that we could just simply look
0: at look at the it systems and and yeah. be comfortable with that approach i know i know i know there's certainly advances in ai and big data but i mean it's still very much a human element here i mean it's it's what you got between your ears and and You know, there's still simple, simple audit techniques that are still very, very useful, like not, you know, surprise audits, you know, for example, showing up and not telling the client what inventory you're going to count and picking it when you show up. That could be really helpful uh, in in determining whether or not, you know, there's fraud evidence in the company. So, but uh, why don't we go ahead? Let's have our first review question here. And uh, I'll go ahead and read it out here, read the options, and you can go ahead and give me your perspective here and tell me what you think the correct answer is. So our uh, our question here is what firm challenges stem from using dated methodologies? Is it manually filling out or manually filing and audit forms, desktop applications make remote work difficult, poor user interfaces, auditing software unnatural for digital natives, or all of the above? Uh from my perspective, I think it'd be all of the above. I think there is benefit of all of this you know in, in terms of challenges the manual effort, efforts of any of this is really kind of difficult right and uh inflow is a completely browser-based technology right there's no correct I, yeah complete completely yeah. browser-based which eliminates a lot
1: of those challenges around desktop synchronization of files i mean I've, oh, there's man. some of the horror stories of trying to move copies around and replication and sync errors and and really, just you know, the the last couple of years have really exposed desktop technologies for some of the the ways that they really struggle when you've got a remote workforce. I know a lot of CPA firms are trying to be very creative around talent and how they're working, and so desktop solutions are really difficult when you're not all sat in a similar place next to each other. Um, and so we've seen we've seen a real trend on the adoption of cloud as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I would tell you so much of good software comes from understanding how people are going to leverage and use it. I mean, there's so many applications. uh, Did you ever hear about that story? I think it was one of the major banks here in the US, might have been Citibank, actually, where a trader accidentally caused the bank like a hundred billion dollar, basically shorted a stock for like a hundred billion dollars and cost the bank that because the user interface was poorly designed. They misunderstood, like basically what they were supposed to do, and put the trade in the wrong. But that was a story that came up a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm probably misrepresenting, you know, the the corpus of it. But the the point is, like, you have to know how people are going to use your application, and then build to support that workflow.
1: Yeah, and and but, actually monitoring it is quite insightful as well, Steve. Even when you think, you know, how users are using the
0: platform, and you oh, think yeah. it's designed in the right way, um, there's a lot of analytical techniques that can reveal that as well nowadays. Yep. Yep. Why don't we Why do we pivot and talk a little bit more about Inflow with respect to the technology behind it? Um, you know, if you could, you know, kind of help me understand the environment in which you operate in. You know, both from a technical level, you know, let's say the actual technology itself, and then just kind of bigger picture with respect to some of the inputs and outputs that you can expect to to get when leveraging Inflow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so we we leverage uh, Microsoft Azure's um, cloud um, sure. environment. Um, there's firms in the U.S. Um, that is uh, both housed and backed up in the U.S. environment, so the data never leaves the shore, in essence. Um, and that's really important to make sure that we've got the kind of confidentiality, confidentiality, data protection and security right, because what we're talking about handling here is highly confidential data that really is a risk for firms. And so we often get a lot of questions, Steve, from firms who are, who are new to this and they're asking about, well, How can I be confident that your system is more secure and and like a a really good way of handling this? And often we find that the firms are still using email quite heavily to exchange confidential information, which is really susceptible to hacking and and kind of penetration. And, And this is an opportunity to actually bring together rather than this data, which is all shapes and sizes being scattered across email accounts and being scattered across kind of SharePoint sites and all this kind of stuff actually keeping it in one place where we've got a single version of the truth and it's bringing the client and the CPA firm together into that space so it's a it's focusing on first and foremost the exchange of files and information for the collaboration now that's predominantly a very labor-intensive process to ask for the information we need and chase the client for the information we need so it's a real efficiency opportunity to really get things organized project managed and make sure we've got that granularity to be able to track the individual items that we we need from the client and whether they've provided them. But that's kind of a gateway to then starting to move that exchange of information from being files to data. And that's where we start to move the inputs from being just simply Word documents, Excel files, PDFs. To okay, can we get an extract of the full data set from the accounting system? Sure. So rather than you running a bunch of different reports from here, I want, you know, I want a sales dump, I want a list of yeah. all this kind of stuff, right? Just give me one single file which has all of this in. And, and that's where we take whatever shape or format of data we can get from any accounting system and push it through a, if you imagine it as a big funnel that at the bottom, we get to a common data model set of data. So we've got exactly the same fields in exactly the same structure from all of these hundreds and thousands of different accounting systems. And that really gives you then the foundation for automation, because if you can get all the same fields and you can put this through a trial balance mapping process, so you've got the structure of the data nailed down in terms of what's revenue, what's costs, what's balance sheet accounts, etc., then you've now got, a really rich data set to build the automation from. So that's where the process side of things really starts to kick in because now we can start to say, okay, well, we know that one of the common audit tests we need to perform is a journal entry test to look for fraudulent or potentially fraudulent transactions. So what are the kind of characteristics we would apply? Where would the auditor need to input their own judgment and decision making? And how can we help them get from the common data model set to an output that they can put on the engagement file. So at the end of a test like that, they're producing a detailed document that they can attach wherever they need to attach to. Um, that evidence is all of that work and meets the meets the regulatory standards that sit here. There's a lot to unpack in that data analytics space. It's a really buzz topic where it's where you start to see, OK, we could start to use machine learning and AI to start to really enrich that thought process. We can start to spin that in different ways to perform a a replacement test, perform a new technique, or simply to just provide, you know, PowerPoint presentations back to the client that's going to be really interesting. So that's a particular area that you, you then start to see. It's quite hard to weave some of the real bleeding edge data analytical techniques into the old way of working. And so we've got a lot of firms who do use our data analytics next to let's say a a, a CCH, an engagement tool, for example, for documenting Mm -hmm. the audit work. And so they'll be using engagement with with knowledge coach and their methodology. And they kind of get to this point where some of the data analytics techniques we do are really easy to slot into the methodology, but some of them actually require you to take a step back and think about that process a little bit differently. So, for example, do you really need to do as big a sample size if you've looked at the data and it kind of looks all right? Well, no, probably not. But those kind of methodologies don't really incorporate that thinking. And so what we extended the product into was that data driven audit methodology, which also handles different industry sectors or industry niches which are prevalent in the U.S. market to really refine the audit approach to specifically how do we best audit a Automotive dealership, for example, using using data. And we've housed that in a cloud work papers or working papers solution that means that everything is housed together. So we can go end to end here, all the way through the process, producing the financial statements, everything that we need to through the trial balance capabilities. To to really bring it all together, it it can be broken up, Steve, so you can kind of say, okay, well, I'm going to stick with that particular tool that I've already got, but I just want to put the collaboration tool in or this piece. And that's been really helpful for firms to manage the change management side of this over a few years. Or a lot of firms are at the point where they're very frustrated with their existing technology in this particular area. And they're quite, shall we say, aggressively going i want to to change this quite holistically and that's where we're seeing a lot of firms really take the the combined approach here and bring in something that's very very in tune with how we
0: can transform audit services absolutely you know it doesn't make sense to shoehorn old legacy procedures into a modern approach you know it's it's you know you're you're reinventing the wheel in in a, in a worse way in a more ineffective way compared to You know, again, holistically thinking about like what you're trying to do and ultimately knowing the end game of like, hey, I'm looking to make a um, report on the reliability of the information from these systems. Well, let's use modern techniques and practices to get to that rather than just kind of go back to the way we've always done things. You know, one of the things I've often struggled with is that rules and regulations often lag behind technology innovation. You know, and sometimes you want to run, but like, you know, the rules and regulations aren't there yet to really support that. Uh, a small example of my business, you know, we do these podcasts, right? They're an hour they're an hour long because that's the minimum amount of time that's accepted everywhere, you know, but we, we can obviously do less time, which would be nano learning, like 10, 15 minutes here or there. But, you know, until the laws and regulations allow for something like that, we're stuck having to do something that isn't reflective of, I think, modern practices in terms of where we want to go. And sometimes that struggle, because, I mean, audit frameworks are still... I mean some of those regulations are 20 30 years old at this point you know in terms of how you confirm things and that could be really struggle i've often struggled with that well um, my, my team will
1: love the fact that you brought up the uh, the CPE requirements uh, steve as, as as somebody um who's from the uk and looking looking in at the us i've said many times that you know in 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 my opinion we need to make really interesting content available to us cpa firms so as they can engage with it but why does it have to be an hour long like why can't we just do 20 minutes or 30 minutes of really rich content and they get half of a cpe and i've been told many times no this isn't possible and i keep saying but it's got to like it's got to be a useful way of looking at this yes because i know know. because like we can make this an hour long and really draw it out for everybody or we could just action-packed 20 minutes i
0: completely agree
1: I but anyway, agree. my team will love the fact that you brought that up because I've asked them probably about 20 times and every two months, Steve, say, are you sure we can't do this
0: anymore? But, well, no. <laughs> just I, I'll give you one bit that you can go back to your team with that'll make you very happy. In the United States, you know, your major markets are like California, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, places like that. And about half the states accept Nana and about half don't. But the largest state, California, my home state, where there are more accountants than anywhere else in the country. Uh, has an exposure draft amongst the CBA, you know, the the Board of Accountancy here to adopt nano blended and um, simulated learning. Uh, hopefully by the end of the year, which will allow us to do shorter. So, if that's the case, then you'll have more than half of the uh, the United States that will allow for those shorter content pieces. But you you uh, Google it, you can find some information on that on that. Oh uh, we've been
1: we've been doing a really really useful and, and really in tune series of like 20 to 30 minute webinars, which we've got to be honest, people are really yeah. busy and fitting these things yeah, into the schedule. Great.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh but but that's always been a kind of bugbear for me is like, well, this is as good as somebody spending an hour waffling on about something that just to kind of fill the time. So is that what we need to do? But no, I think it's 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 really interesting what you what you're sharing there, Steve. And I think the the whole point here is we need we need everything that we're thinking about to be more in tune with. It's not just us, right? It's people who are coming in to join a CPA firm now. I often speak to firms, and you know, we're taking people who have been brought up with technology. It is second nature to them. All of the kind of things that you know yeah. we now use, but like ev- everything's on these things, right? Everything's everything is yeah. is done on these, and yet we bring them into a CPA firm and I just wonder sometimes what the look here's your fax is. machine. Yeah, like, here's, here's how yeah. we do a bank confirmation. You what? Like, what, what, what is it I you know. mean? We have to ring them up and chase the letter. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how it works. Right. I no, know. it's, it's just kind of, you, you must kind of feel that what we need to make the profession more attractive and keep talent in is to lay out a more exciting future. And I think that that there is that exciting future ahead. It's around how do we try and start to embrace the opportunities and the innovations that are available to us to really bring them bring them in and make them make the most, most value out of people as well.
0: Yep, yep. I think a lot of, I think, so I'd like to introduce this. This is the Rogers Diffusion of Innovations, which really helps us understand when and how technology is has been adopted. And I mean, this isn't a new concept. I mean, this has been around since the 60s. But accounting is both, cutting edge in some respects and like antiquated and old and others. And it's so weird that it's not like a one or the other. It's a layered thing. It's like, we're really good over here, but really slow over here. And there's so many different technologies that could be adopted, but yet lag behind for one or other reasons. And, you know, it's amazing that there are firms, like I, I have a course on paperless technology I teach and I'm, I'm blown away in 2022, I still have to teach this class, you know, about what it looks like to leverage Adobe Acrobat and PDFs for distribution of digital learning, or not learning, but accounting records for that most. Uh, and then we got stuff like QMS and data-driven methodology and open banking. You know, where, where do you see, you know, your average client that adopts and flow kind of being, are they, you know, the first quadrilateral or the end, I'm going to guess they're more of a, a leading edge innovator more than they are going to be a laggard, but what, what from your perspective, what do you think?
1: At, at this stage, we're, we're, we're approaching. Of these, of the, the majority of the techniques that we're using, you can see, you know, cloud workpapers, data analytics, collaboration portals—they're getting further along the adoption curve here. Yeah. And this is a really interesting concept. If you've never come across it before, I'd definitely recommend a quick Google and, and have a look at this. Mm-hmm. But like what we're talking about uh, in in terms of core capabilities, Steve, are very much moving along the the, the Rogers curve here. And then you've got elements that we're using that are really starting to come in at the start. So so where does a firm typically sit? Well, it depends on what products they're coming to us to use. So if they're coming because they're really excited about using open banking, then they're probably very much in that early adopters phase. But if they're coming to us saying, well, we feel like we need to move from a paper-based audit to doing something more difficult, like... Again, that you know, like you say, there are still firms out there that are doing it like that for many different reasons. Yeah. So, so we see firms across the spectrum. I must admit, and it depends on, to be honest with you, where they're currently sitting rather than what they're necessarily. You know, there have to be a certain mindset for us to work with them. Naturally, we see that firms are more towards the left hand side when they're coming towards really enthused, really excited to, to implement something more progressive, more holistic across the firm, and that's where we start to get into this difference between. A more transformational implementation of the software or a more incremental way of approaching the software. So I think one a different way of cutting it might be to, to think about how how much and how aggressive are firms looking at their adoption of technology. The firms towards the left, the right-hand side of this chart, so the later majority, should we say. trying to take it a lot slower let's put this bit in this year and then maybe this bit next year and it's a three to five year plan the firms on the left hand side you know it can't happen quickly enough it's right i get it i want it let's get it in because as soon as i get it in i can start thinking about the next thing rather than thinking about the thing that we're already talking
0: about steve yeah yeah disrupting you know the existing workflow of what people have done and uh can't remember, there's a famous tech pioneer who said the phrase, uh, break things early and often. I want to say with somebody, maybe an Apple or something like that, though. But, you know, in accounting, I mean, we tend to be brown shoes and button up uh, shirts and, you know, tend to be a little bit more conservative. And, you know, frankly, I think with technology, um, the, something I normally say in a lot of my tech classes is that that doesn't matter where you are in the lifespan of, of, a, of a company technology is that opportunity of, you know, hitting the reset button, you know, that you can, you could be super far behind, but if you come up with some new innovative approach that saves time, money, uh, something new, compelling that people are interested in, you can jump to the front of the line almost instantly. You know, the example I give is that when I was in high school, Apple was damn near bankrupt. You know, their, their stock was trading at under $10 a share it, you know, you fast forward almost 25 years later, they're the most valuable company in the world with a $3 trillion market cap. Like, and it all came around, you know, breaking the chains of, of legacy and, and kind of coming up with new innovative approaches and with inflow and, and with the correct, I would think top down, you know, support at the top where management thinks it's a good idea and is willing to put the resources and effort behind it. I mean, you could take it a firm and you could be that next generation firm that, that, you know, you're having to uh, turn people away because you have too many clients and too many people wanted to work with you. Uh,
1: the, the, the growth opportunity is huge, Steve. And and what's really interesting is um, a, a lot of traditionally smaller firms might have felt a, a competitive disadvantage because of technology, because they didn't have the deep pockets to be able to go and invest in these kind of areas. So it would feel like, well, we're going to be reliant upon whatever the incumbent like providers are are kind of putting into the market and there's been a real lack of investment from um, vendors over the last five to ten years in this particular space but what's happened right now is with the emergence of cloud and should we say some newer kids on the block bringing more exciting more innovative approaches to this than the bigger oil tankers that are serving the market we've got this ability now for smaller firms who are more agile they're able to make decisions more quickly. The tone at the top is easier for two or three people to really get on the same page and it is for you know 20 office firms to be able to get their leadership together. There's a real advantage now for smaller firms to adopt these technologies and these techniques, implement them and get into the market and talk about how they're using them. And so we're seeing firms are winning new clients because they're using this technology they are also increasing the average fees that they're obtaining from their existing clients because they're able to take a more valuable offering but also additional supplementary offerings to these clients and they're willing to pay for these Mm -hmm. and you're starting to be able to actually service a lot of that additional work because you free the capacity from the team because it's more efficient anyway so it becomes this kind of viral effect where you go, well, yeah. more clients, higher value clients, capacity freedom in the team, and it's more attractive to work here. So it's going to be easier for us to recruit people. Well, that, that's a recipe for growth in anyone's book, right? And, and that's what's what's interesting about smaller firms can do this more quickly. And so why not go and do it now than wait to see the bigger firm up the road's done it. And now we've got to do it. Let's do it when we've got a real competitive advantage from doing it.
0: Absolutely. It's that positive feedback loop, you know, it's just good things happen to you because good things happen to you and the more good things happen, they're they're bounds. Let's go ahead and have another, our uh, second review question here. Uh, which of the following is a benefit of conducting data-driven audits? Modern methodology employs data analytics and automated tools directly into the engagement. Uh, gauge staff, and improve skills, attract new digital natives, enhance critical thinking skills and judgment. Uh, client added value, better communication with the client throughout the audit, not just serving the report at the end and collecting a big old check. Uh, insights, more opportunities. What do you think here, Mark?
1: in my in my professional career Steve whenever all of the above was an option at the bottom of the uh, question yeah it was pretty pretty difficult <laughs> to turn it down I'll be honest but uh I think you know the, the the biggest thing here is is for me that focus on the client I think that uh, we we often are nervous about technology because we're worried about how it's going to impact our relationship with the client um we are also very um kind of concerned about how is the client going to view what we're doing does it look like we're just doing things more efficiently and therefore i'm going to have to give some of the feedback because traditionally i charge based on the number of hours i'm doing this service for all of this if you think about it from the client's perspective why would they not want you to be embracing these kind of techniques right you know what what's what do they look for from you And I've seen many firms and they're nervous about having that conversation with the client about what do they want. And I I say to them, well, I'd rather you went and had the conversation than one of your competitors, because even if you think that they're not interested in a more valuable service or use of data and data analytics, if you're wrong and somebody else has just walked in and said, oh, by the way, we've got this new technology, this new approach, would you like to see more of it? You've lost that client straight away because you didn't volunteer that idea. So I certainly when i'm when I'm looking at an advisor, I want to see that they're using technology and not kind of back in the stone age. I want to see that they're interested in what we're we're trying to achieve the value that we want from them. so i would I would really major on that client perspective if I had to only pick one, Steve
0: understood understood. And I think you can gain all these benefits uh, paired with good company culture and you know, management genuinely being invested in the growth and success and improvement of firm operations. So we're coming towards the end of our time here. I've got about 10 minutes left here, Mark. And, and when we talk about, again, you know, uh, some of the benefits and, you know, some of the the software um, and solutions and platforms that you kind of provide. And, you know, from my, my perspective, just, you know, doing the research on this and then speaking with you, you know, you kind of spoke to this just a minute ago, you know, this isn't um, just an opportunity just to get another application that might make your audit just that much better. Um, I think again, this is like an investment in the success of the firm and the long-term growth, you know. Personally, for my company, I- I've never shied away from buying good tools for my staff, you know. I've often used the, the, the analogy like, you know, I can go to Home Depot here and I could go buy a ratchet set for 20 bucks and, you know, wrench on my truck, you know, but why does my mechanic spend $150 on Snap-on or Mac tools, you know, when they're wrenching on their clients and it's because that tool is how they make their money. That's how they make their livelihood, you know, and from my perspective, this software is very similar, but in the professional services environment, like this is that premium tool that really, isn't just going to make that audit that much better. I mean, it's a thing that's going to allow you to turn the page, you know, to add capacity, growth, better insight, a better experience for all parties involved. Does that resonate with you?
1: Absolutely, Steve. And, and one of the things that's often surprising for firms as well is when they realize uh, potentially how much of the existing technology stack that they're using, that they could collapse into a single tool. Yeah, it, it often costs less anyway. Um, so it, it can be... There's a, a much bigger prize here, but this is this is something that is is a real rethink on the technology stack. It doesn't need to be complicated. I, I don't want people to be sat there thinking, "Well, this sounds this sounds just too big a task." So I'll move it down the to do list. It it's very much about trying to to line this up as you you said that, the culture of the firm, the leadership of the firm, their their experience with change previously, their appetite to change. How can we craft something that recognizes where they are and where they want to get to and really works with them as an innovation partner so we don't just provide the technology we've got a a real team of experts here that have been there and done this before and we make those people available to help firms implement these techniques that's thinking about how do we train the teams how do we get the integrations working but it's also thinking about well how do we communicate to the client about this how do we explain it to them and you kind of brought the change management piece. I think change management is such a a kind of challenge that firms have experienced. And, and and one of one of the things that I think is is part and parcel of that is services like audit typically are done the same way year after year. And so yeah. if you're in a mindset of well, we roll forward the engagement and we do it exactly like we did last year and then we'll kind of move on. Or sal- Sally, as we hear it called, same as yeah. last year. Same as last that, year. That's one of the biggest problems with change management, right? Because our default position, yeah. and sometimes even the software we're using basically says, yeah. I'm going to assume you're doing this exactly the same as you did last year. So yeah. let's just do it again. And yeah. and it's kind of going, well, Well, hang on. like, But if we've done that for the last, 10 or 15 years, things have moved on a little bit. Yeah. So yes, how are. do we actually kind of start to recognize that we we need to bring this in maybe in particular areas? Maybe we need to achieve some quick wins really early to build some of that momentum and buy the rights to continue to change. It's all of these things, which there is no kind of plug-in technology that helps with the hearts and minds across the firm. Yeah, You know, absolutely, people use our technology to win a new client or their first order is incredible. And that's kind of spreads, right? That's really good. But it doesn't always work like that. And it's going to be harder sometimes. So I think change management is something that I, I don't like to overemphasize because I don't want people to not do something because it sounds too difficult. It's, it's not that difficult. It's trying to really bring it in in the way that fits your organization.
0: Sure, sure. I remember the first audit I ever did. And it's amazing how much you learned in your first ex- engagement experiences that you used throughout your entire career, but the, how influential you know those first experiences were. And I remember going to the partner or man, whoever it was, and I'm being like, "Who is this Sally person that I see on all these work papers?" You know, I need to go talk to her. You know, That's... I, I I recently learned yeah.
1: that because I, I I was aware um I was aware of Sally, but I'd never come across. So I got explained there was Dilly and uh, what was the and Millie, which was. Um, and the last one was my favorite one. Missed it last year. Was the abbreviation? Okay. <laughs> Missed yep. it last year. So um, yeah, there's all sorts of these uh, these joyous abbreviations, but um, but it, it just plays to some of the mindset piece that we're playing with here.
0: Yep. Yep. You know, so what I would want people to leave here is, with knowing is that with inflow, I mean, it's a it's a collection of of lots of different things that, that can really help anybody in Assurance services with with servicing their client needs from collaboration uh to you know the 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 collection of data necessary to to manage their work papers to producing a better report overall and you know you guys uh have a very comprehensive uh collection of of services really to assist the profession you know like uh the webinars that you mentioned that you do and, and the knowledge base and the training that's part of adopting this solution it's not like you just like you know, here's your software, go have a nice life. It's like you're you're involved with ensuring that this is successful with the client from start to finish.
1: Absolutely. And it's a real partnership approach. Even, even things as crude as our licensing, Steve, are designed around the value that we're delivering. So if we deliver value, then the license grows. And if yep. we don't, it doesn't. And it's that kind of skin in the game approach that we have with this that recognizes that. CPA firms, are often looking for a partner to help them with this particular challenge. Some of it is just really understanding and education around, well, what is AI and how is it relevant to what I'm doing? And when should I be thinking about implementing that in my work? And, and it's yep. that kind of mindset that, is, that
0: creates that real partnership approach to the way that we work with CPA firms. Yep, I agree. I agree. And, you know, there's so much, I mean, the accountant is the go-to you know, for just about everything. Like, Hey, I don't know this, Do you know, somebody who does this, or can you do this for me? And, you know, in my career, you know, I've, I'm no longer directly in public accounting anymore, but, you know, I spent so much time with accountants and around accounting, you know, you really have to be the jack of all trades and have so much comprehensive knowledge because, you know, your client looks at you as, as, you know, like the business, uh, you know, the the business guy who just knows about everything. There might be specialists in legal or insurance or whatever, manufacturing. But like, you know, this is a tool that can really help that accountant. You know, kind of be that business guru that they need for their clients, and and really to kind of uh, assist in on all aspects of that, that firm engagement for that audit, the services. Let's go ahead and have our final review question here, and then we'll wrap up. What are the four products of Inflow? I'm going to go ahead and let you, Mark, answer this here. It's a single choice on the poll. So I hope everyone's going to get this
1: right. So, yeah, um, that, that yes. should put up all, all possible options on the screen, Steve.
0: Yes. Yeah. it's fine. That's the Zoom only lets us do one. As long as they select one, they get, we we know that they're here. But uh, the correct answer is everything. I mean, you guys are, you know, uh, start to finish, A to Z, you know, with respect to, you know, whether it be the analytics, the collaboration, the work papers, it could do everything for you.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, we, we all love a point solution now and again, but um, if you're building a tech stack that's entirely made out of point solutions, it becomes very challenging.
0: Yep, yep. Well, folks, that does bring us to the end of our presentation for today. Um, you know, today we went and, and took a pretty good look at the inflow solution uh, for audit, uh, talking about how this product can be used for digital transformation and growth inside your firm. It's not just about creating a new set of problems on a new set of technology, but, you know, breaking the chains of the old ways of doing things and and providing that growth and digital transformation to really make you that firm uh, of the future. Uh, For those who are watching live, your credits will be sent to you automatically in the form of CPE certificate after our webinar. So stay tuned to your inbox. And for those of you who have not joined live that are maybe watching on YouTube, Facebook, or listening to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you happen to get your content. As a reminder, this is for free credit. Uh, You can head over to cpetoday.com and find our course and uh, take a short five-question quiz and earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, besides our podcast for today, if you've never tried our platform before, use one free podcast to check out and you can find um, any class, any podcast class if we are choosing 100% for free. Uh, Mark, if if people are interested in getting in touch with you and Inflow, what would be the best way of going ahead and and doing that?
1: Uh, if, if you'd like to find out more, um, please visit our website inflowsoftware.com. Inflow without the W software.com. Um, you'll be able to find a number of resources on the website, but we also make um, demonstrations, personalized demonstrations available to people too. on the website. So, as if you want to understand more about the technology before you speak to somebody at our organisation, that's a great way to do it. But do reach out if you want to talk about even, you know, no commitment basis, just talking through where you're currently at as a firm and what other firms are doing in this particular area. Our team are always on hand and always welcome to. So hit the contact us button or book a a demo on the website and maybe mention this webinar as well. So as the team understands what you're kind of where you're coming from and the knowledge you already have. And we'll be happy to, to support if you want to if you want to continue to follow me personally or interact with me please find me on linkedin always happy to message with people or share hopefully some more useful nuggets uh, on social media
0: well perfect well uh mark thank you so much for your time thank you for your knowledge your expertise and and creating what is an excellent solution for audit and assurance uh, professionals um just want to say thank you also to your team and cheryl Uh, for all of their help in getting this coordinated. And I hope we can do it again soon. So I wish you the best. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. And thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Take care.